From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly. I got to say, love the name Max. That's my my puppy dog's (laughs) name. Uh, Who have just recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. It actually makes learning pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I listened to this with my son, and it was so fun to listen to. I loved how modern it was with a cool ant that they really dug, and like they dealt with bullies. Uh, My son also enjoyed all the math involved. Like He thought it was really cool. Well, and I have to say, I love anything that brings learning and fun together for kids. I really, really wish that something like this was around for my teens when they were younger. We would have absolutely devoured this on our car trips. It would have been amazing. It's perfect for kids ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the No Guilt Bomb Podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my Happy New Year co-host, Brie Tucker. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome 2022. It is 2022. I swear if I had an air horn right now, but I'm I'm all cheering. And now our mascot, Addie the dog, is like, what's going on? What's going going on? on? She'll just start jumping and like gnawing at our hands any moment now. Uh, Today's episode, we have a good one for you. We have Brittany McBride back on the podcast talking sexuality and when it clashes with family values. This is like, this is a really interesting topic for me because I know that like sex is a kind of a taboo topic in America. I mean, it we is. can admit that. It's not something that we regularly talk about. And it's also one of those things that I feel like in our society, uh, many of us, if, if I had to make a real armchair generalization, I think many of us rely on our, our schools mm-hmm. to handle the beginning of those discussions with well, our kids. And there's also a lot of shame around sex in our society. Like we're oh, yes. told like it's dirty, it's improper, and just this whole not talking about it further like cements that that shame associated with sex and it shouldn't be because I mean it's procreation and it's pleasure (laughs) and it's all those things right and we're and we're not like advocating that you know our kids should go out and do whatever but we're also saying sticking our head in the sand and just telling them to ignore it isn't going to fix it well I think there's a real like it's a conflict because people think that talking about sex means that kids are going to go out and have sex And that's not true at all. And Brittany goes into that a bit in the episode. However, um, like stay around until like stay around after our interview, because I'm going to share something that happened with me in my life and some huge opinions I have over this issue that, uh, yeah, you stick around. (laughs) But for now, I want to introduce Brittany McBride, MPH. She's the Associate Director of Sex Education at Advocates for Youth. She supports school districts and youth serving adults to provide complete inclusive sex education. She helps parents, caregivers, and youth, and uh, it's completely fact-based in a non-shaming and affirming way. Way to go, Brittany! Brittany has an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, so she is a mom as well. So we hope you enjoy our interview with Brittany. 2022, Brie. Guess what that means? That means something's coming. Happy Mom Summit is happening in just a little 
under two months. February 28th is when it all kicks off. I'm getting nervous about all the things. Oh my all gosh. The we have the best speaker lineup for you. It is going to be such an amazing week because you're going to learn how to yell less while still raising respectful and responsible kids and how to make sure you take that self-care without feeling guilty as well as kind of examining the ways you're thinking about kids' behavior. It's going to be like eye-opening. I cannot wait for it. Oh my gosh. It's going to be like a week long of like almost the next best thing to therapy every day. It's like... (laughs) And what we would picture a no guilt mom live event to be, but it's online in your pajamas. So if you live like far, far away and we couldn't like it would cost more to see us in person. Guess what? Happy Mom Summit. Mark your calendar February 28th. But to know about it, you need to be on our email list. And to get that, download our happy parent checklist. It is at noguiltmom.com backslash HPC. And now on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Hey, Brittany, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah. I'm we, so excited. We have She's a, a two-timer. A two-timer. Yeah, you're in a two-timer. <laughs> you're I'm in a two-timer. Like a t-shirt made or something. Oh, like, my gosh. Yes. Idea. I'm opening Idea. my notebook and I am making a note right now. <laughs> two-timer t-shirt. T-shirt or like a nice them. mug. They can hold up a mug that yes. says I'm a two-timer. Oh, oh, a mug would be good. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. That is what everyone needs. Definitely. Well, we're so excited to have you back because last time you were on, we had a great conversation about talking about sex with kids. Yes. And uh, today we're going to talk about like how to handle kids' sexuality because we brought up to you, we've been getting a lot of questions from parents about you know, what do you do when your child comes to you and they say they're bi or they say mm-hmm. they're gay and how do you respond as a parent? And we, we wanted to get the best information out there and we know yeah. it's you, you have yeah. the best information. Out well, there. I, yeah. Brittany, you are phenomenal. I think a big thing too, to add into this is that, and you've probably, I think we've all seen it at least once or twice where not only are you faced with trying to figure out how to best support your child mm-hmm. in the sexuality conversation, but what do you do when they ask you about it and it doesn't necessarily mesh with your family values or maybe your religious beliefs mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. but at the, it, you, you end up with like, this like torn. Yeah. We have like, we have kind of two scenarios here. Yeah. Okay, one, great. It, one is where parents fully support it there. You know, it's aligned with love is love. The values, and that's very much where Bree and I stand on the issue too. Yes, right. um, but we also have parents coming to us who they weren't raised that way, and they're not sure how to approach it. Right. So first, like generally, like how do we talk to kids about sexuality? Like how do we start? Yeah, so super common question, and it's very relevant because I kind of handle the side of sex education in schools, and when we talk about values in schools we say that's not our job and we encourage all of the students to go home and have those conversations with their parents. So any parent or caregiver at home, 
you should know that whatever they're learning in school is just the content. It is just the science of everything. And then we encourage them to go home and continue those conversations with their parents. So they are going to come. They're hopefully going to come and talk to you about your values as a family and as a community. And you want to be able to consider yourself and have your children consider you as an askable adult. So it's all about trying to be as open and as willing to have these conversations as you possibly can. Um, and I have yet to meet a parent who doesn't care about the health and the well-being of their, their child. Right. And so approaching those conversations with that mindset of, I want my child to come back and ask me more questions. I want to continue the conversation is always a safe way to talk about these topics where you may feel a little bit nervous that maybe your values don't align. And that's perfectly fine. Um, so for parents of kids who are really young, who are trying to learn about their own personal values, it allows the parents and the caregivers the ability to kind of share their thoughts and their opinions. I think the best way to do that is that we make it very clear that these are my opinions and encourage them to find those safe spaces to kind of navigate and determine their own values and opinions um, and really kind of approach it as more of like, how do we respect people who have differing opinions and values than us? And then that allows us to kind of focus on some of those universal values of every person deserves respect. Every person deserves to be treated with kindness. How can we do that? How can we show people? How can we reinforce those universal values is a great safe space. If you kind of feel like there may be a little bit of a disjointed approach to how you feel about things. Um, so really, it's about just like educating yourself, really getting a clear understanding around what sexuality is, uh, you know, sexual orientation, doing as much research as you can so that you feel comfortable to have those conversations and being an askable adult who is consistently available. Willingness and openness and the willingness to continue the conversation yes. too is like totally what I hear from you because I, I think like as parents, we just want our kids to keep talking to us. Yeah. Yes. Because if they stop talking to us, we, we get no information and we can't lead them in any sort of like direction whatsoever. Right. Well, and I think it's also that spot in the back of your head. Like it's the conversations that they aren't having with us. Mm -hmm. That are the real concerning ones, I think. And then who are they having them with? Is the, exactly. it's the next question. Like, because if they're not talking to us, then who are you talking to? And is that a person who is a credible resource? Are they willing to do like really good research and kind of understand things? So we want to make sure that one, we're not the only askable adult in their lives, helping them to determine who else in their lives uh, can go, they can go to for questions is incredibly important. It offers so much protection to our young people. Um, but in order for us to be those askable adults, like we have to put ourselves out there and try to start having these conversations with our kids as soon as we possibly can. And you may be surprised. Your kids may know way more information about this than you do. Um, and it could be a really fun shift in the paradigm around who knows the content and then kind of just learning things together. Um, because that's how I always find out the young people know way more than me consistently. <laughs> like they are the experts. And so I'm just like, okay, you tell me what to do on how to do this the best way possible. Right. Yeah. And being okay with that, being okay with like being in that position to be open, to learn and understand new things. And we're constantly evolving and, um, realizing like things we did in the past weren't always the best and that's mm -hmm. okay. My mom joked, she brought me home from the hospital, holding me in the front seat. 
Um, and then, you know, nowadays they check to double, make sure that the car seat is in correctly and you got to get a check out before you can leave. So yeah. as we, as we learn better, we do better. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So, Bri, I remember this one time I was in a bike race around Tucson, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. We were riding down 4th Avenue, and there's railroad tracks, like streetcar tracks, and my bike's tire like went and wedged in to the railroad tracks, no. and I totally fell down and just like skinned my hands, everything. Ugh. I had nothing with me, nothing at all. And it's that times where you want a first aid product and you have nothing. And (laughs) active skin repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. I've used it on my son's mosquito bites, and I wish I would have had it the time I totally scraped up my hands. Oh, I hear you. Like whenever I go paddleboarding, kayaking, I'm always trying to find something that is like an all-in-one that I can take with me. And active skin repair could be used like that. It can be used to treat cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for all skin types, all parts of the body, like eczema and acne-prone skin, all of that. With over 500,000 happy customers, thousands of five-star reviews, and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order. Use code NOGUILT. Hey all, it is Joanne and Bree here and we want to tell you about a podcast that you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Uturbe and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And in this latest season of Understood Explains, it covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. We actually just listened to the episode, IEPs, Does My Child Need an IEP? And here is what we loved about it. I loved that it was so digestible. Like it was such a short episode and all of the topics, which could be really confusing to parents, were easily explained. And I loved how they gave great concrete examples because you know how much I love me a good example. They explained what kind of services and supports you could actually see on a child's IEP or individual education plan. And they explained those acronyms that nothing drives me more crazy than when there's acronyms and I don't get it. I don't know what it stands for. They took the time to explain everything in so much detail and to cover concerns that a lot of families have about special ed services. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains, or just click on the link in our show notes. Well, I think that brings up a big point because um, parents right now, especially parents who are like in their late 30s, early 40s or 40s, like we didn't have kind of the same environment around sexuality growing up. We, I mean, in middle school, there were not like kids who were openly gay or openly bi uh, because it wasn't socially acceptable then, even though I'm sure it still existed. We just didn't know about it. Yeah. We didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, Right. So those conversations, we, we, 
there's so many things that I feel like as a parent of teens that I can reflect back on my own childhood, my own teenage years and go, I remember going through that. I, I know what you're, I, I kind of got an idea of where, what you're, what you're dealing with and I can kind of help guide you. This worked great for me. This was awful for me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like Joanne just said, a, a lot of us, like, even though we may have been totally cool with it, it still wasn't a conversation that was being had back then. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it is such a prevalent conversation especially in like social media and whatnot these days, our kids are coming to us with questions, I feel like, at a younger age than what we were mm-hmm. asking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so sometimes we're just so like, what do, what do we do with it? Like, you know, it's it's so much harder for us to be able to have the conversation with kids because we can't reflect back on having the conversation with our own parents. Yeah. I do not remember having a conversation like this with my parents when I was younger. No. And think about it we didn't have the ability to always have this conversation. Like we didn't know how to communicate effectively. There wasn't an education. There wasn't something happening in the schools where we were even talking about, this is what gender identity is. This is what we mean when we say sexual orientation. So it's hard to have those conversations when you don't have the foundation or even the ability to communicate with someone else about what's going on. Um, And I think we have seen the outcome of that and it's been incredibly negative. We find that um, students who identify as LGBT are at a higher risk for countless negative health outcomes. They are more likely to experience suicide ideation, um, drug and alcohol abuse, more likely to not feel safe within their own school um, so that they have higher rates of absenteeism uh, and are constantly feeling left out of the classroom. They do not feel like their families are reflected, their needs are being met. And we've just, as a whole, did not do a good job years ago, making sure that we were meeting the needs of the individuals in our classrooms. So we are now really taking a health equity lens, which means because we haven't provided the bare minimum to so many people for such a long time, we are now going above and beyond to make sure that we are providing more to them so that they can start at the same starting line as all of the other students in the classroom. So we want to make sure that when we're teaching sex education or really any curriculum, we're including examples of LGBT adults and uh, experts in the field. We want to include when they're role playing, we want to make sure that not all of the couples are meeting heteronormative expectations. Uh, we want to make sure when we talk about families that we are talking about all kinds of families. Um, and so students feel that they are reflected not only in their schools and in the curricula, but that it's a safe learning environment because if my brain isn't allowed to relax enough to be able to hear information, how am I supposed to be able to get the get what I need in order to live my life? Um, and so it's all about creating those safe learning environments at home, at school, at church, in your community. And the more that we can create for that, the more that our young people feel like they'll have the ability to actually get what they need uh, to then become functioning adults. That, okay. So what you said there about feeling safe and like, you need to feel safe to learn, like totally, totally, absolutely. And you mentioned about church and it, it's so hard to help people feel safe when there is so much hate and so much like negativity against the LGBTQ community out there. Um, For instance, like I had this one exchange with an acquaintance who he posted something on his social media about pride month. And he said, there's no pride in it. God doesn't like pride. And he's very, very Bible based. Um, And 
I confronted him about this in like pri- like not on the comments section. I texted him. I'm like, hey, I just wanted to clarify what you meant by this. It's really ambiguous. Like, I feel like this is really a hate message toward gay people. And he's like, yep, I'm a Bible guy. Oh. And I'm like, okay. And I cut off conversation, but I was also incredibly angry and mad yeah. that like that kind of thought process right. is out there. Right. Or even that he was identifying it as Bible guy. I yeah. know plenty of people that that consider themselves, they, they go to church, they follow the Bible and they don't hate other people. Right. <laughs> no. Right. So I can't yeah. like, how, how do you justify to kids when there is this hate out there that is what I feel is unsubstantiated mm-hmm. and yet you're trying to support them? Like, what do you say about the, the people who are hating? Honestly, the kids are in a much better space than we are. And okay. I have found that young people are less patient when it comes to that. They don't understand it. I worked with some young people recently and they were just like, absolutely not like this is not acceptable. And they just couldn't even understand why someone would be treated differently because of who they loved. And I think it's really exciting. So I'm like, good, y'all can take over. And like the rest of us who have like all of these problems can just disappear into the darkness um, because there's just a real shift of it's not a big deal. Like this is just like, you know, another component of who a person is. That's not who they are. And so this being understanding of hate, I feel like is kind of dwindling at the younger the generations are because there's just like a, a better understanding around how to show people respect and who is deserving of respect and it's everyone. Um, so I'm grateful to see that I don't see that with the students. The issues are when they're hearing it at home from the adults and it's pretty easy when to navigate when you, you're in the classroom and you're kind of hearing students sharing values and beliefs that they've just kind of picked up from home. And I really love to just check not even challenge, but just question them on, you know, well, tell me more. Like, why do you think this is okay? And because I want you to tell me like, well, I want to hate people and I think that they aren't deserving of love or, you know, like I want you to actually verbalize something that is absolutely ludicrous, um, but also like finding those spaces to protect yourself. So I thought you did a great job, like just stepping away from that when you you come across people who aren't in alignment with your values and are not willing to like respect your differing opinion as well really protecting yourself from those kinds of folks because it can cause a lot of harm for, for those of us who, who may have differing opinions. Yeah. And I, I just get stuck. I, I love that you said that the kids are actually less accepting of haters yes. now because that makes me feel so hopeful. Yeah. For, it's just our generation's baggage. And yeah. I like that. yeah. I feel like the older you get, it's worse. Right. That, that our generation's baggage, I don't want to say mine, but our generation's baggage isn't necessarily being passed on, isn't, you know, for sure yeah. being passed on to the younger generation. Not in large numbers. And, and it's funny because like the information when we're teaching them about sexual orientation, about using someone's pronouns, they're like, okay, yeah, like, duh, you know, like move on to the next thing. We all knew that already. It's the adults <laughs> where I'm like, okay, day three of me trying to teach you about pronouns. Cause they're like, Wait, what? what's going on? So I'm super grateful, like young people immediately, because that's all they've ever known. And so I'm like, if we're taking the shift yeah. in, as a culture of really making sure that we're addressing health inequities, I'm really confident because our young people are getting the information that they need sometimes. Not saying that there aren't people who are absolutely being impacted, specifically Black trans women are dying at rates that are just, mm. it's an epidemic. Um 
and a lot of this, I feel like, is related to a lack of education that people aren't afforded these spaces to talk about their sexuality. They don't feel comfortable saying like, you know, I, this is what I'm sexually interested in. This is who I'm interested in having a relationship with. And that uncomfortableness with like not being able to have that safe space to figure out your own sexuality can really be a dangerous thing because then you're, you might lash out at a person um, because you feel uncomfortable with like not knowing about yourself. So I, there's definitely a ton of room for improvement. Um, But I feel like the really, really little ones, like they're getting it from such a young age about just basic, basic respect for other people um, that hopefully it will just continue to amplify as they get older. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I love that you are bringing it back to that. No matter what your thoughts are, no matter what you have been brought up with as as a parent, it comes down to is one of your core values to treat others with respect Mm -hmm. and to to have a tolerance for other individuals that have a different opinion of you. I I, I think that the majority of us as parents, like, yeah, yeah, we do. And we have to be reminded that, oh, yeah, that is one of our core values. So even though... I'm being threatened with something that doesn't match the narrative that I grew up with or the narrative that I was taught when I was younger or that I, I, I have been taught in some way, shape or form. That's not the highest value I have. The highest value I have is respecting others' opinions because I don't want people telling me my opinion is wrong either. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always room to like be better. You know, even when I'm working with adults who work with kids, 
the, even the most progressive person, I'm like, there's always room to do even better because I love to give them, it's sometimes about just like making sure that they understand what they're talking about, that they have the core fundamentals to be able to be successful and like truly understand like what it is that they're discussing. And oftentimes that's a big way to like, they're like, oh, okay, maybe I'm like, okay, doing this. Um, because I'm, I love to use this analogy of like being tolerant versus inclusive versus affirming and inviting, you know, you all over for dinner. So like if I invited Joanne over for dinner and surprise, like everybody else found out about it and their feelings got hurt. And I was like, okay, yeah, everybody else can come. That's me being tolerant. Um, if I'm being inclusive, everyone got an invitation at the exact same time to come to dinner. If I'm being affirming, I'm checking in with you prior to making a date because I want to make sure that date works with your calendar. I'm asking you if you have any food allergies. I'm asking if there's something specifically that you, you know, do, are you okay, comfortable with dogs? Because I have a dog in the home. I'm going out of my way to make sure that you feel valued and safe within my environment so that because I want you there and me doing that is going to demonstrate that you matter to me and you being comfortable in my space makes you feel appreciated and valued. And that's ultimately all that matters. So we can apply that to making sure that the environments we are creating for our LGBT students are the same way. I want to be affirming. I want to make sure that I'm going above and beyond to address your needs. I'm aware of things that may be problematic for you so that I can address those. I, I, I want to make adaptations and changes so that you feel comfortable and safe because you should feel valued. And every human should feel that way. I love that. So that that's a great way to explain it because as you explain it and I look at my um, actions as like a teacher, I, I've definitely been in the tolerance side yeah. and there is, there is space to grow. Yeah. I think more than not, I was, I was always afraid at calling attention to the person mm -hmm. and making them feel singled out. And that has what has prevented me in the past, yeah. but now hearing like the affirming yeah. Um, though those things sound great yeah. and they sound like, yeah, of course I would love anyone to do that for me yeah. and make me feel good. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside for sure. Yeah. That's I think that's great. What um what would you tell parents who they have like um a 10, 11 year old come to them and they say that they're by the eleven year old tells them they're bisexual or they're gay or transsexual and the parent like thinks that the kid is too young to be even know those things, yeah. like what advice would you give them? I would invite that parent to really take a breath, like take a five, calm down, kind of find your space and really listen to what your, your young person is telling you. One that takes tremendous, tremendous um, bravery to go up to an adult, not knowing how they're going to respond and sharing that kind of information. And remember, we want to make sure that our kids keep coming back to us so that they're ever in trouble or they need some information that we're a safe place to go. So remind yourself of however you respond, you want that to be the end result. Um, two, I would be incredibly impressed uh, that my young person, you know, had the vocabulary and was able to come and verbalize to me about, you know, that they were thinking about, you know, who they were attracted to. I think that's a big deal. And so for me, it was just about being as supportive as possible. Um, I think for a parent who's maybe struggling with this, uh, which is kind of 
it's understandable, especially if you were not provided the core content yourself. So maybe you don't even understand what pansexual means. Maybe you don't understand what your young person means when they say that they're, they think they might be bisexual or that they're gender fluid. Um, it's time for you to take, not only take your break, your, your breather, but then do some research, really understand what your, your young person is coming to you and saying, and understanding that nowadays sexuality is constantly evolving. It is constantly changing. Um, and as we continue to get more words and abilities to communicate about who we're attracted to and who we're interested in, it will allow us the ability to communicate even better and keep your child at the center of this. How you respond will impact how your child continues to come to you for information, how they will matriculate through life, who, what kind of relationships they're going to be looking for and your involvement in those relationships. So like, if you want to continue to have a really great relationship and be engaged and be involved, really push yourself, challenge yourself. If you're feeling uncomfortable to educate yourself, get the, the information and the, the knowledge, and then try to find those small, like low hanging fruits to be supportive as possible. Even coming back and saying like, Hey, I'm still a little unclear on what this is, but like, I'm doing some research. Do you mind kind of maybe telling me some resources or somewhere I can go? Um, and actually verbalizing like, I don't know how I feel about this because I need to, to learn a little bit more, but I care and I love you and I want you to be happy, safe, healthy, and whatever that is, I'm, I, that's, I'm going to support you so that you can live that kind of life so that you're happy and healthy. Um, because I mean, we all, that's all parents care about their kids in that way, you know? So just reinforcing that for them. That that's it. Yeah. That yeah. We just want our kids to be happy and healthy and we're there to support them anyway. We well, can. And I think you brought up a good point that Joanne and I have been talking about uh, ourselves recently that uh, we had a podcast interview a, a little while back and I think it was with Bill and Ned and they talked about how um, the you're going to have a longer relationship with your kids as adults, yes. them as an adult yes. than you will when they're younger. Exactly. And you have to remember that the decisions and the way that you choose to interact with your child you know, let's say under the age of 18 is going to have a direct impact Absolutely. on them as adults. And that relationship that you get to have once they are no longer under your care yeah. and are choosing whether or not they want to continue that relationship with you. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Um, it's all about, I just want to make sure that, you know, as a parent, parent of two young kids myself, that I am equipping my kids with the tools that they need for themselves, but also setting a really strong foundation around what my expectations are as their parent around how they treat other people. And that applies to treating people with respect when it comes to making the decisions around their own body. I like to demonstrate that I respect their decisions around their body, and that they know their body best. And that's going to definitely in grow to include as they get older, who they may be attracted to. And yeah making sure that you're reinforcing that there's no better feeling than seeing your kids, you know, kind of take that information and actually apply it. Um, we were driving home last night and my daughter's and my daughter and I were listening to a podcast about Sally ride who did not share, um, who, who kept her, her life with her partner very quiet until her death. Mm -hmm. And she was just so upset in the background. She's like her whole life. Like she, you know, she was going to the doctor and the doctors are like, and who are you to her partner? And she's like, to say that she didn't feel comfortable enough to just show who she was, to share who she loved. She's like, what, what's wrong with the world? And I'm like, 
I feel like I've done my job. You know, like yes, <laughs> that's yes. what I'm looking for. When they look when they look back at the world that was around yeah. 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago and they go, What was wrong with you guys? We're like, oh, Yeah, exactly. It's called, it it's called knowledge and progress. Yeah. We're getting better. We, we enlighten ourselves, we move further, and it's and it's all positive. Yeah. Cause for well, them they boil it down to, you know, you should be able to go to the doctor and be supported by someone like when you take me to the doctor, you know, mom or dad or somebody goes with you and supports you. So, and she's yeah. like, oh, this is just, I can't even understand this. I'm like, great. We're respecting well, you. <laughs> you parenting win. A lot of hope for kids and the kids' generation to Good like that they are taking and they're going to be taking over yeah. from all of this craziness. Um, and Brittany, it's been amazing. So many great tips and information. Thank you so much for, for being a two-timer Yay! and coming on again. So we're getting mugs. <laughs> I like I need a confetti we're getting mugs. something or. We do. Oh, yes. I need to buy those little poppers. Yeah. Like the little the champagne popper stuff. bottle thingy. Yes. <laughs> well, we, we will talk to you later. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Okay. So Brittany's interview. I'm like fired up, Brie. I'm fired up. <laughs> Well, I was so excited to have her back. In my family and in my life, I have people in, that have different sexualities. Mm -hmm. I, we have like transgender. We have like questions about, we, we have several members that are not not heterosexual. And it's it's a difficult situation when there are other family members that feel like that clashes with their family values. Yeah. And I really felt like it was important to talk about like, how do we talk about this in a way that's non-shaming that like lets people know that you can be who you are and that again, like we talked about at the beginning, sex isn't something that, that you need to hide under a rug because it, it's not, you, you can't act like it doesn't exist. Yeah. It, it's hard when we talk about clashing with family values because some of those family values are just associating sex with a shameful act. Right. And I that's, mean, that's generational where it comes from. a lot it's of times. It's generational, yeah. You know, it's passed down to us that that's how it is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us just kind of go forward with that because that's the only way we know how to talk about it. Yeah. And so the thing that happened with me is my daughter brought home a promotion slip and she told me in the car, she's like, I have a permission slip to sign. Please just sign it because I have to do an essay if you if I'm not allowed to be in the presentation. And I'm like... Oh, I love okay. that she already knew that she was like, please just sign it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so this is human growth and development or something like that. She's like, yep, it is. I'm like, okay, just hand it over. I used to teach human growth and development classes when I was a fifth grade teacher. Um, and I have like no shame at all talking about anything, anything at all with my kids uh, regarding sex. But she handed it over to me and I started reading this. And it was talking about how it was an abstinence-only education program that focused on um, healthy relationships, which is great, but then also focused on the consequences of having sex outside of marriage. And hmm, seems a little loaded. I looked at that, and Arizona is an abstinence-only education state, which I'm like, we got to move to California. But <laughs> <laughs> that was my first thought. Um, but my second thought is like, this is so detrimental to kids, especially girls, because they are not getting the education they need to keep themselves not pregnant. Because you can't just tell kids like, oh, don't do it. They're not, I mean, teenage hormones, I mean, some, some will realize that yes, but as Brittany's talked to us before in a previous podcast, the more information she had about it, the less she wanted to experiment with it. Right. Because it makes it less this shiny unknown object over there that mm -hmm. you're just so interested, that box you just want to open. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, I know what's over there in the box and eh, 
Maybe, maybe not. And yeah. a lot of kids view sex as a way to like connect with their partner and like show their love. Or a way to rebel. Yeah. Well, both of those. Yeah. But both of those are like misguided because they don't have the proper education behind it. So like if you think of a sweet girl, and I'm thinking of one of my past students in particular, so super sweet, so kind, so nice. I found recently she had a baby at 17 um, because like... I believe, and I, I was the one who taught her human growth and development. I was the one who like had the binder in the classroom and they have all of our teachers, the teachers sign a contract that you cannot go off script at all. Mm -hmm. You cannot answer any questions that are not in there. Um, I truly believe she did not have the proper education for staying like not pregnant for like protecting herself in that situation. Yeah. And that's where the, sh that's where it hurts to see abstinence only education come in. Yeah. Because, it's, I mean, the boys, the boys aren't as affected by it as the girls. You know, I think uh, I'm going to, because my oldest goes to the same school district mm -hmm. as yours, I think I'm going to be sending a, a sly little email to the district office with maybe Brittany's email, since, you know, that's yeah. what she does. I think it's our state. Our <laughs> state has the abstinence-only education laws. But Okay, well, then I'm going to send it to our representatives. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> hey. We got to start with action somewhere. We have to start action somewhere. And hopefully this podcast, you guys were able to hear things that resonated with you as well and gave you some direction because this is not an easy topic. It's not. It's not, especially if you were raised in a way to think that sex is a shameful and embarrassing thing. Um, I saw my daughter's permission slip and I'm like, anytime that you want to hear about any ways like uh, STD prevention, um, which they are doing an STD workshop, but I don't know what that involves. If it's what or I like, had when I was in little in school, it was like, look at these scary pictures. This probably. is you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh, God, that's still... I am 42, and I can still see those pictures they in my head. Star. <laughs> oh, my oh, it makes me so mad. But <laughs> I, I was like, come to me. I will share everything. Everything. And she's yeah. like, okay. I'm like, I doubt you're there yet. She's like, I'm not. I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. But uh, it's just a lot of work needs to be done in this, uh, especially about, like, educating women and educating girls and boys too and boys too and boys too but giving like education truly is power and when like where people aren't given the correct facts or told that those facts are wrong or shameful it really impacts everybody so so there we go there's my uh thank you for coming to my ted talk and uh <laughs> it's my podcast it's our yeah, podcast I, I figured right. this is the best place to do it chances yeah. are you like hearing what we have to say yeah. because you're probably like-minded yes so yeah and we appreciate that so uh we love you all and uh the best mom's a happy mom take care of you we'll talk to you later and thanks for stopping by Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, 
best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.